You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. I'm Smiley the dog. I am a mutt. I'm Smiley the dog. I'm super smiley. I have a cat too sweet to travel kitty. I have a big girlfriend. Angel's really pretty. I have a pony. We share a big horse. We have a big yard. Yeah, we have to, of course. I have a pool. In the summer, I stay cool. We have a fountain. Live in the mountain. Live high on the hump. Need to be a spokes dog. I'm Smiley the dog. I am a mutt. I'm Smiley the dog. I'm super smiley. Woof and super smiles, everybody. I'm Megan Blake here today with Angel, our German Shepherd, and Smiley, my giant mutt and spokes dog for throwaways. Smiley and I hope you all are starting off 2012 with all your animals happy and healthy. And we want to welcome you to a super smiley adventure on Pet Life Radio, the largest pet radio network in the world. And Smiley loves what our guest today does and the body of work that he represents. He's Dr. Frank McMillan, Director of Wellbeing Studies for Best Friends Animal. Society. Dr. Frank is a veterinarian who had a private practice in Los Angeles for 23 years, was a clinical professor of medicine at Western University of Health Sciences College of Veterinary Medicine. He's the author, and I love the titles of his books, of Mental Health and Well-Being in Animals and of Unlocking the Animal Mind, How Your Pet's Feelings Hold the Key to His Health and Happiness. That's right up our alley. Welcome, Dr. Frank McMillan. Thanks so much for having me, Megan. Oh, Dr. Frank, we are so excited that you're here. Are you up there in Utah at the Best Friends Animal Sanctuary today? Yeah, and we've got nice weather today. That's amazing. Oh, that was my next question. Is it cold? Because you're at a really high altitude, aren't you? No, that's what I mean. It's normally cold, and yes, we're very high, and it's about uh, 50 out there, which is very warm for us. Oh, you can take some dogs for a walk today then, right? Enjoy the beautiful fresh air. Well, Smiley and I, we just can't wait to hear what the animals have been telling you and all about your new study on the emotional impact of puppy mills on dogs. We're going to take a quick commercial break, though, first. Smiley, can you wait? Good boy. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. I'm Smiley the dog. I'm Super Smiley. Must rock. Buster. You're telling me my dog food products can't go on your shelves? That's right. Didn't pass one of my Petco certified nutrition checklists. Sorry, Wayne. Who made these checklists? Geniuses. Very smart guys. Well, it's good enough for most grocery stores. Do you see cheese puffs on my shelves? Mayonnaise? Soda pop? No. That's because I ain't running no grocery store, Wayne. Your pets will get better nutrition. I guarantee it. Petco. Where the healthy pets go. Go to PetLifeRadio.com slash Petco and get $6 off your order of $60 or more and up to 40% off hundreds of items at Petco. PetLifeRadio.com slash Petco. Dyson. The new Dyson Animal Vacs are powerful bagless upright vacuums for homes with pets. Air muscle and radio root cyclone technology generates the strongest suction power to powerfully remove dust, dirt, and pet hair from the home or car. To order your Dyson Animal Vac, go to PetLifeRadio.com forward slash Dyson. PetLifeRadio.com forward slash Dyson. To order your Dyson Animal Vac today. Dyson. Music to your ears. When you're looking to add a pet into your life, consider adopting a homeless animal from your local shelter or rescue group. Whether you want a kitten, puppy, or a more mature pet, a purebred or a -a one-of-a-kind mixed breed, even a rabbit or hamster, your shelter has the best selection of animals anywhere, all screened for good health and behavior. PetLifeRadio.com presents Take Me Home. 
with your host, Susan Daffron. Join us each week as we showcase wonderful pets, tell stories, and even throw some pet education into the mix. So get ready to find out why the pet adoption option can be a great way to add a furry companion into your life. Take me home every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. And we're back on Pet Life Radio, a super smiley adventure. I'm Megan Blake here with Smiley and Dr. Frank McMillan, veterinarian and director of well-being studies at Best Friends. Hey, Dr. Frank. Hey, Megan. First, I love that you have made the observation of animal emotions and how emotional well-being correlates with their health and behavior into a science that you've actually studied and documented. I love this. Well done, Dr. Frank. (laughs) Well, thank you. (laughs) It's fantastic. You've actually opened this frontier into an actual science. Would you agree with that? Well, I'm certainly not the only one, but I like to think that I'm helping lead the way. Yes, yes. Leading the way. I like that. And your books, again, I love the titles, Mental Health and Well-Being in Animals and Unlocking the Animal Mind, How Your Pet's Feelings Hold the Key to His Health and Happiness. Yes, of course they do. So my first question for you, Dr. Frank, veterinarian, published scientist, do dogs have emotions? (laughs) You know, that's one of those questions that is, to me, so obvious, I hardly even know how to answer it. Um, (laughs) There's just no question among scientists that uh, animals have emotions. Now, there's a little difference between emotions and feelings. People often equate the two, but emotions actually can make an animal run away from something without necessarily thinking about it. But feelings are the things that really drive you to do things in your life, and that's why in the book, I focused and put in the title feelings, not emotions, because feelings, uh, everything you feel in life, uh, whether it's fear, hunger, uh, need to uh, pass urine, anything, it stimulates you to do things that help you and keep you from harming yourself. I see. So like fear would be a, a survival tactic. Is that what you're saying? Something like that? That's related to that. And, and pleasure would yeah. be, this is my pack. I feel safe here. I'm using the word feeling. I feel safe here. Is that right? Yep. That's exactly right. Feelings, uh, they evolve to guide us to do things that are good for us, stay away from things that are bad. And unfortunately, things have gone a little awry because, of course, now we we can pig out on pleasurable foods and get fat. But in the (laughs) days where we evolved... You couldn't do that. So now we're a little not served as well by our feelings, but they still guide us to keep us safe and uh, secure. Right. That makes perfect sense. But I got to tell you, Smiley is here looking in my eyes and he's saying that he loves me and he loves Angel and he loves all the other animals. So is that all right for me to believe him when he tells me that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure it is. <laughs> as far as we can tell, I mean, everything we can tell, that's what he's saying. All right. That sounds good. And reading your pets, knowing their reactions and signs, that's the key. And that's exactly what you were just sort of referring to. And I want everyone to know that Dr. 
Dr. Frank has worked with traumatized dogs, like like Dr. Frank, when you went to help in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina, how you worked with the Michael Vick dogs. But first, let's bring it home. Let's start with our own personal dogs, because I know people listening here want their dogs to be as happy and balanced as possible. We integrate them into our lives. We travel with them. But what are some stress signs that we should be aware of? And what can we do if we sense that our dog is, is reacting with stress? Well, a couple things. First, stress isn't a very good term because stress can be due for, to loneliness or fear. However, the term has become so widespread that people generally use it a lot. It's usually used, of course, under anxiety, fear, stress, or tension, that kind of a thing. But it can be boredom and loneliness. And the reason I bring that up is not to muddy the waters, but to point out that some of the signs of stress that people don't think about probably are acting on their own pets. One of them being that people, it's well known in people that people will eat to offset unpleasant emotions, whether it's depression, boredom, loneliness, that kind of a thing. And as you and your audience may know, there's an epidemic of obesity in animals these days. And although we haven't proven the link, it does appear that the fact that they are probably in in many cases, not all, just like people, not all, but in many cases are overeating to compensate for the unhappiness that they have in life at home. And I don't want people to start feeling guilty to treating their overweight pets poorly, but the point there is it may be a tip-off to what you asked about, and that is that things are unhappy in their life. So that would be the first sign. The other one is sleeping. You know, a lot of people equate cats with sleeping as if they're content and happy. The truth is that sleeping is another coping mechanism that people use when they're unhappy or, or under stress or lonely or bored. So sleeping a lot is something you have to pay attention to, too. Now, all the other things are the obvious ones, and that is dogs or, or cats that are jumpy and antsy and, and just, you know, overreactive to things in life. But the other ones are the ones that I always want to bring up and make sure people don't overlook. Right, right. And what about um, if you've got your dog in a new environment, simple things, facial expressions like maybe extremely large eyes, excessive panting. Um, sometimes I've even right. heard that yawning. Sometimes, sometimes they're just yawning, but sometimes if they're in a crowd and they're yawning over and over, things like that to look That's for. Right. Is that correct? Right, exactly right. And of course, dilated pupils are a big sign, although dilated pupils, just like for us, can be from fun excitement too. <laughs> uh, dilated pupils, having hair stand up uh, on their back, that kind of a thing. But also facial expressions, like you said, are very important. Uh, yawning is a sign of stress in dogs, as is the little lip licking that they do where the tongue comes out and licks the top lip. It's kind of fast. You have to watch for it. But that's another sign uh, that dogs are under some kind of tension, anxiety, or fear, um, or as you say, stress uh, that you want to watch for. Right. It's great, great information because we all know that in humans, stress can lead to illness or make our illnesses worse. Um, maybe we don't think as clearly. We may behave irrationally. And I know that in working with dogs and especially with horses who are just, just actually giant flight animals, that stress can change their behavior and it can change not only short-term behavior, but can affect long-term behavior as well. Have you found that in your studies? 
Oh, you're you're dead on right across the board there because uh, it's a very strong influence on physical health in terms of just getting ill or recovering from illness. Both are affected adversely by stress and strain and emotional tension. But yeah, everything else you say, it, it affects their behavior. And, and as you well pointed out in horses, they are geared evolutionarily to be very flighty. And, I, and that's not a, you know, a, a lightweight term. That's in terms of them just just being ready to react to something fearful, you can see that. That's that's what the horses obviously are designed to do. Right. And talking about this big topic, Smiley's and my mission is to help integrate pets into people's lives. And we believe that the first step is to find the right pet that fits into your lifestyle. But before we even finish that thought, we're saying adopt, adopt and rescue. And your recent and landmark study looks at the emotional damage that puppy mill dogs bring with them. Tell us about what you looked at in this study. Yes. Let me make a distinction first. There's two populations of dogs in, related to puppy mills. One are the adult dogs that are cooped up in the cages for years and years and years on end producing the puppies. Then the other population, of course, are the puppies that are shipped off and sold through pet stores. Now, we actually did studies on both. It's just that the one we just published is the one on the adult breeding dogs once they are lucky enough to get out, and they get out in a a number of ways. Sometimes these large breeding facilities that we call puppy mills are shut down for legal reasons. Other times, people just go out of business and sell off all their dogs. Sometimes, in other words, they get out of these places. And we noticed years ago uh, that a lot of them would show abnormal behavior. And so when I came to Best Friends four years ago, I decided, you know what, we've got to understand these things a lot better than we do. And so I started a study in collaboration with two professor colleagues of mine at the University of Pennsylvania, and we collected together 1,169 adopted former puppy mill breeding dogs. And what we did is we had the people who had these dogs fill out a lengthy questionnaire, which was basically a psychological profile of their dogs. And then, of course, compare those to a control population, which are dogs that are just normal pet dogs. They never went through anything like this. And uh, and that way we could see what actually this group of dogs carries out of the puppy mill with them. And we found obviously extensive changes. Uh, But before I mention what they are, let me also uh, point out that just like people that go through a stressful incident, and the best example is combat warfare, a lot of people come back and there's absolutely no problem. They're perfectly fine. They function fine. uh, And they just don't carry any psychological scars. Whereas, as we all know, on the other end of the spectrum, there are people that are terribly traumatized that can't even function in life anymore. And so we see that in the dogs that come out of puppy mills too. Some come out bouncing out like you never know anything happened. And the Mm. others are just absolutely traumatized beyond words. So our results looked at the group as a whole. And do you want me to go ahead and tell you what we found? Yeah, tell us a little bit about what we found. We want to get into it more in more detail. So yes, go ahead and tell us some things that you found. Okay. The most dramatic by far is their fear levels. This is no surprise because any kind of trauma in people, of course, exerts fear as an after effect more than anything else. And we found the dogs are very fearful of unfamiliar people. They tend to get used to the adopter themselves 
pretty quickly, but unfamiliar people, it can be years and years, they're still afraid of them. They're also afraid of just events in life. In other words, sounds, movements, that kind of a thing. They're very skittish is the word most people use to describe them. And then an interesting finding is they're actually more fearful of other dogs than normal dogs are. And the reason that's interesting is because most puppy mill dogs are housed in groups. And you would expect that these dogs, uh, of any dogs in the world, would be intensely socialized with other dogs. So why would they come out more fearful of other dogs? And the answer appears to be that you don't, when you socialize, you've got to be able to have an escape valve on occasion when things get tense. And these dogs never get that. They're never more than three feet away from their cage mates, no matter what happens. And that is very, very traumatizing because you can never get away from things. Whether you're part of a fight or just watching the other two in the cage fight, it's very stressful on you because you can't get away. So they come out more fearful of other dogs. The other things we found is we found a lot of mental changes um, and they reflect themselves in odd ways. One is with odd behavior. They'll do uh, things like spinning in circles because that's the only thing they could do in the cage for exercise or pace back and forth, another thing they could only do in the cage. And they do these, of course, in the cage for years before they get out. The other thing related to their mental function is very often they'll just sit with this very blank, vacant stare. And this is really troubling because you know that they're basically spaced out in some way and people will describe it very often as if it were a person with autism, the way they just lose their reactivity to anything going on around them. And it's luckily it's not a constant thing, but it shows up really frequently in these dogs' lives after they come out. You had mentioned it's sort of like a post-traumatic stress from a war situation, and you said that you mentioned the autism comparison, but it also sounds like a shell shock type of comparison. They're just kind of in shock. They're not quite sure what to do, and that's, again, not to compare it to people, although it does seem very similar, and that's the way we look at the world is through our, our human eyes. It's like the, the situations that we grow up in, the situations that we see every day, that's what we tend to emulate over and over, Right. Well, absolutely right. And nobody, and myself, obviously, mainly, uh, that mentions post-traumatic stress is trying to diminish the disorder in people. That's by no means the goal here. The point is, is that they show uh, virtually everything that people do, except for certain high mental function type things. In other words, People with PTSD will very often have poor self-esteem or they'll have a poor outlook on the future. Now, we can't tell that dogs have a poor outlook on the future, but we can tell that they're afraid of virtually everything, especially things that remind them of their former experience. And those are the hallmarks of PTSD in people. Right, right. And and um, again, this is extrapolating human experiences, but it seems like fear not only can be based on something that's happening right then, like a loud noise or the fear the dog's going to charge them, but it's a fear for the future. Like, is that dog going to charge me? Am I going to be trapped with that dog? And in terms of that, it could be an anxiety type thing that does worry about the future. I'm totally making well, that, that up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. What happens in post-traumatic stress disorder is the world becomes a threatening thing to you. Virtually everything sound-wise or, or people approaching you. And so dogs have what certainly appears to be that outlook after they come out of puppy mills is this 
feeling and look that the world is a threat to them, so they have to cower and hide and tremble, and it's, it's painful to watch. Right. Well, Smiley's girlfriend, Angel, she's our beautiful German shepherd. She came from a puppy mill. And Angel and Smiley have more thoughts to share about this, more personal experiences. But right now, Smiley's telling me it's time for a quick commercial break. And we'll be right back with more great information and insights on our dog's emotions from Dr. Frank McMillan. Smiley and Angel, can you wait? Good dogs. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. I started the dog. Every pet is unique. Maybe they're gray in the muzzle, yet young at heart. Maybe they're growing out of the puppy stage and into their paws and ears. Or maybe they're just trying to maintain a more girlish figure. At PetSmart, we have the right food for your pet at a great value for you. Smart. Be better together. Go to PetLifeRadio.com slash PetSmart and save up to 30% on toys, collars, leashes, PetSmart gift cards, treats, and more. Go to PetLifeRadio.com slash PetSmart today. Love your pets but wish their medications were a lot less expensive? They are at 1-800-PET-MEDS. You'll not only save on flea and heartworm medications, but on prescriptions for arthritis, incontinence, thyroid, and more. And you get fast service, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Plus, our licensed pharmacists ensure accuracy, monitor drug interaction, and more. See why over 5 million people have trusted their pet's health to 1-800-PET-MEDS, America's largest pet pharmacy. Call now or order online. Go to 1-800-PetMeds.com forward slash adventure, A-D-V-E-N-T-U-R-E to get 10% off any order and free shipping on orders of $39 or more at PetMeds.com. I don't make any decisions about who to hire without going to Angie's List first. You'll find reviews on home repair to health care written by people just like you. With Angie's List, I know who to call and I know the results will be fantastic. Angie's List you can trust. Go to Angie'sList.com forward slash super and get 25% off any subscription. That's Angie'sList.com forward slash super. S-U-P-E-R. Stop what you're doing and start horsing around. Every week on Pet Life Radio, horse expert and award-winning rider Audrey Pavia will be trotting out great tips on feeding, breeding, and more on everything equestrian. So set a spell and say hey to Audrey and get ready for a darn tootin' gallopin' good time. Every week on Horsin' Around, on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And we're back on a super smiley adventure with veterinarian and director of well-being studies at Best Friends, Dr. Frank McMillan. Dr. Frank. I was just telling you about Angel, Smiley's girlfriend. She's our beautiful German shepherd, and she came from a puppy mill. She'd been abandoned in the desert by the mill with her ears duct taped up in an attempt to make them stand up. 
the mill couldn't sell her because her ears weren't standing up like a German shepherd should. And she was found in the desert and taken to the shelter and was adopted and returned three times because of behavioral issues. And many of us who rescue end up with puppy mill dogs who, after they were purchased, end up being left at shelters because of behavior. I know we were just talking about the breeding parents, but have you seen this, observed this with the, the offspring that's sold later? Yes, and I referred earlier to the fact that we have studied both of these dog populations. The one that we just finished were the ones that are dogs that are sold through pet stores, and we've submitted that to a journal. It's under review uh, for publication right now. And what we found is that if you compare the dogs as adults, the ones that were purchased from a pet store, which are puppy mill dogs, but 99% of the time, compare that to dogs that come from very personal, small-time breeders that breed in their own homes and socialize the puppies well. We find dramatic differences. And what we find is similar to the adults, but in a way different. The similarities are the fear levels that they show at a much higher rate. But the other thing that did not show up in the adult breeding dogs is aggression. We found that the dogs that are purchased as puppies from pet stores are more aggressive even to the owners themselves than dogs that come from a personal private breeder. So there are remarkable differences between those two groups and um, it's just more support for not purchasing a dog at a pet store. It, It supports a horrible business but it also means you're going to get a dog that even would be more likely to bite you later in life. That is amazing information. I had never heard that information. First of all, let's back up. Let's back way up here because we've all heard the term. Now the term puppy mill is very is part of our language. We know what this is, but some people still think that it's just a term used to encourage people to another way of thinking, to rescuing, to adopting, not going to the pet stores. It's almost like an agenda. So you've seen this firsthand. What, just very briefly, what is a puppy mill? Why is that bad? Why is it bad to get a puppy from a pet store? Just just for someone who really wants to know, just quickly explain that, please. <laughs> yes. What a puppy mill, to be honest about it, is a derogatory term. We know that, and we're not actually trying to use it in that way. It's just become, as you say, part of the language. But what it refers to are the large-scale breeders. They actually refer to themselves as large-scale or high-volume breeders. And these are breeders that coop up animals by anywhere from dozens to thousands and just pump out puppies for profit. They really don't care about the well-being of the parents and they just don't take care of them, Uh, sometimes horribly bad, but other times just denied uh, human companionship with dogs in need. So it's a large-scale breeding facility. They turn out thousands and thousands of puppies among them. Those are picked up by a trucking company called a broker who then distribute them to pet stores throughout the world. Um, And uh, we've got in the United States a system that drives them all over the country. So these poor little puppies that are eight weeks old, they may have spent four days in transit in a truck after being pulled away from their mother, which was, their, of course, their secure base for weeks. You look at them in the pet stores, the most adorable, clean, healthy-looking puppies, but their mother and father are stuck back in a cage in, in a horrible misery. So that's what a puppy mill is. It got the name mill because it's factory-like, meaning it turns out puppies like it's a production unit. In other countries, by the way, they call them puppy farms not puppy mills, but it's all the same thing. They're producing a product which is shipped off to the consumer. 
Right. Well, that's a very good explanation. And with my direct experience with Angel, she did not have aggression problems. She was actually extremely insecure. She's a very sensitive dog. And what I've observed is that she didn't get the socialization with a parent who knew how to socialize, who had proper, healthy dog skills. We'll put it that way. The parents don't have healthy dog skills because, as you said, they've been raised in cages. So Angel doesn't know how to play with other dogs properly. It's very interesting watching her at the dog park. She's big, so she plays really rough. And Smiley's a big, big dog. And they play perfectly with each other. They're perfectly balanced. Smiley's very grounded. That's why I got him to help Angel with her insecurity. But at the dog park, Angel will try to play with another dog, and she frightens them. And then when they get frightened, she gets really nervous and really upset and goes into, it's not aggressive. She pulls into herself and starts kind of flailing around with a berserk behavior. And that's why she was returned to the shelters. They actually said the dog was berserk, and she's not berserk. She just needed very strong structure, and she's a very insecure, nervous dog. But I attribute that to not having the proper training from her mother who would have taught her how to play properly. What do you think about that? Oh, I think, I think you're absolutely right. There's two main causes of the problems that the puppy mill dogs, and this includes the puppies that they have. One is that the existence they have is no doubt traumatizing. They, again, they're denied companionship with people. They sometimes live in freezing weather and they don't get temperature control, the whole thing. But the other is the lack of socialization, just like you said. And the problem, of course, is that when they come out fearful, it could be either one of those or a combination. And since we can't ask the dog, we can't really differentiate those two things. But yeah, the poor socialization is so critical. And let me also mention you touched on something that's hugely important, and that is we found that the most beneficial things to help these dogs overcome their emotional difficulties is having one or more other kind, friendly dogs in the household because they do model after them and they follow their lead on how to react with people and everything else. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yes, yes. And another thing that I personally believe is having more than one dog because dogs are pack animals. So for my lifestyle, we had two dogs that we'd had for 15 years and they both passed away from cancer within three days of each other. And it was very, very, very oh. traumatizing. It was, it was horrible. But um, I decided that I was going to get two more dogs. There was never a question. We were just going to get one dog. It's always two for us. And we got Angel first. And then I specifically looked for a very grounded, big, confident dog that would be a good playmate. So it's also good not only to bring the right animal into your lifestyle, but then to observe the other animals in your pack and see what will fit into your pack as a whole. Do you agree with that? Totally. Yeah, you nailed it. Perfect. (laughs) Great. Great. Can't even add anything to that. That was was well put. (laughs) Well, thank you. And your study, it's being hailed as a landmark study. And also, it's so important. It feels to me almost like it's a mission statement from you. Is this a mission for you to give this information to people? How do you feel about this personally in your heart? Well, yeah, it's a mission, but of course, when you undertake a scientific study, it's not like you're trying to serve your agenda. It just happened that did, and we thought it would because we knew how harmed these dogs were. We were just able to quantify it, show how long it lasts, and that kind of a thing. So yeah, it's very much of what we're trying to convey in a message, but we just want to make sure that people understand that these facilities are harming dogs as we speak right this minute, and we've got to stop it. There's no excuse to hurt dogs to produce more dogs, well, for many reasons, but one of which everybody knows, and that is there's so many dogs being killed in shelters 
But the point is, is that, yeah, I just wanted with this study to be able to prove this is hurting dogs this very minute. We need to get it to end because it's so cruel to do this to them. Yes, and, and that is very well put. And we all can take from that that there is something that we can do. We can adopt dogs. We can rescue them. We can even just volunteer at our shelter to walk these dogs if we're, our home is already filled up. And we can tell people about adoption and just let them know about the real situation, right? Oh, yeah, very much. Um, and uh, I would add, they want to come out and visit us. You should come out, Megan, and visit us too if you haven't, and just see what we do and volunteer and help us care for the animals that are abandoned and have so poor of a chance in life. Any shelter would appreciate volunteers because the animals really need the help, and any socialization just is so needed. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And I completely second what you said earlier. I have been to Best Friends. I spent almost a week there and I've said on several of my shows, it was the most amazing, life-changing, healing experience. I cannot emphasize this to all of you enough. I drove in the LA traffic. My car broke down on the way. I had to switch rental cars. I got a ticket on the way. So I was really stressed. I got in at like 2.30 in the morning, pitch black. I mean, I'm talking, this is a remote place and it was pitch black. I got in really stressed, but I'm like, I'm going to go to bed, get out of the car, hurry. I'm going to be at my place where I'm supposed to be at eight o'clock in the morning. But the second I stepped my feet on that ground, there was snow all around, blanket of stars. It was like the ground itself is healing. It has a resonance of sanctuary. Everything changed in an instant. And every area there, there's Dogtown, there's the Parrot Garden, a place for cats, the Horse Haven. You can volunteer with all different types of animals there. And it it's amazing. You have to go, right, Dr. Frank? You just have, everyone has to go. Oh, yeah. Please do. We rely on volunteers to help us care for the animals and, and the animals just are so appreciative. Yeah, we've got all those animals and we've got rabbits and pigs. And in fact, pigs is one of the most popular departments. <laughs> People really just fall in love with them. They're just, they're just so intelligent and uh, it's just great. I, you're absolutely right. It's a healing environment. You're among a group of people that love animals and that's what was so cool when I came here is you're surrounded by people that when you baby talk to an animal, they don't look at you like you're crazy. You know? <laughs> and when you say the animal just told me something, they're like, I know he told me that earlier. You're totally on the <laughs> same <laughs> wavelength. <laughs> it's very funny. Yep. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Frank, for coming on. And everyone can go to bestfriends.org, right? www.bestfriends.org. Right. Is there another website where they can see your study or another place you want to direct the listeners? Anything, anything else they should know? Not- Not yet, although anybody who has any questions could just email me directly. It's dr.frank at bestfriends.org, dr.frank, and then I can talk to them or converse uh, personally if they have any questions. Oh, that is so cool. That's very cool. And Dr. Frank, I know you're going to give four paws up to Smiley's project. Let me tell you about this. He has a flash mob tour, and his flash mob has been touring the United States promoting pet adoption. It's the super smiley flash mob for pet adoption. And Dr. Frank, if we are ever in the same place, you'll have to dance with us. What do you think about that? (laughs) Be happy to, sure. Oh, great. First dead silence, then a laugh. And yeah, I'll do that. Or you know what? You can just do our shout out. Our shout out is the coolest thing you can do is get a throwaway dog. Much rock. It's true. Adopt a dog. Don't go to the store. There are millions like me. Why help make more? So that's pretty cool. What do you think about that? Great. 
<laughs> well, the city of L.A. recently asked us to bring our happy campaign because we're all about super smiley adventures to the shelters. That is so awesome. And we just did a flash mob at the East Valley Shelter in L.A. And we'll be making the rounds to all the Los Angeles shelters. To see Super Smiley's flash mobs, you can go to supersmileyflashmob.com. And Smiley narrates and tells his story from his perspective, of course. So, Dr. Frank McMillan, thank you so much for joining us on a Super Smiley adventure. And Angel, Smiley, and I wish you much success in your adventure for the animals. Any parting thoughts before you go? No, thanks so much for helping get the word out. We just want to make sure everybody knows what's happening. You are very, very welcome. You're welcome to come back anytime. And before we go, always our super important shout out to Toyota's Pet Safe Initiative. Smiling makes it simple. Buckle up, harness up, super smile, and enjoy your adventure. Thank you to Dr. Frank McMillan, to best friends, and to all of you who love and caretake your beautiful pets. Woof and super smiles. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.